Hello, you're listening to the Eric McKenna Project. Go time. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks for coming down. Yeah, for sure. Thanks Appreciate for having it. me. I'm, I'm very curious. I'm very curious. I, uh, was well, I will tell you, I didn't tell you this off camera, but uh, you were recommended to me by three separate people. Oh, wow. And I'll tell you after the show who they are. I won't out them here. <laughs> okay, for and sure. And I started watching your podcast and your guests and, and your and your comedy and your humor. I said, I got to get this kid. So, <laughs> oh, thank I, you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for coming down. So, what do you think of this place? Is it nuts? <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. This is like a legit, legit studio. Especially when you walk in, too. You kind of have like those bucket list studios where you're like, if I could put something together, and this mm-hmm. is exactly it. Really? Yeah. Because this thing just kind of like evolved. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, you know, I got a great electrician guy's name is Chris Moser, who I get a lot of credit for throwing all this crap together. It wasn't for him. None, <laughs> of, the, none of this stuff would be wired in. And, you know, I get a lot of credit to Chris, but it just evolved. And we talked off camera a little bit about the importance, at least in our viewpoint, of what video brings to podcasting. Definitely. You know, you, you enter, now enter the show realm when you have <laughs> video, but I just. I don't know, man. I, I just wanted a cool spot that people could feel relaxed. You're either going to be very edgy here if you have OCD <laughs> yeah. or if you're claustrophobic, maybe. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so far everybody seems to be, you know, at least at least comfortable enough to unwind. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and just so they can just – and we've, we try not to drink on the show anymore because it just got really <laughs> bad. I'm not saying we won't anymore. I'm mm. just saying we kind of don't do quite – as much as we used to mm. you drink on your show I'm, have you drank on your show yeah i have actually <laughs> yeah a couple of the early like interviews whenever i did it i thought it'd be cool but then after leaning into it i don't know it either just sounds a little bit sloppy or it, it just matches a different energy than i think i'd want it to be yeah yeah and there's there's two guys in town here dave racy and his partner and they got a tremendous yeah. they got a tremendous show awesome i think show. it's i think it centers around drinking yeah it does and and i've listened to a lot of their material and and Watch some of their um, their, I think some of their online video stuff, and just, they they hold it together. Oh yeah, definitely. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I haven't been drinking much at all. Period. But it, during the shows that we've had alcohol on, some have been great, mm-hmm. some have been great, and then turned really sloppy at the end. Me, <laughs> <laughs> and when you hear yourself slurring mm. <laughs> your own words I and mean, you're you're a performer you get it right yeah. to some degree you're more of a performer than i am but mm. to hear myself slur the my words i don't get that around anymore and it just didn't it felt like one of those things where if it was if, if it was more of a hangout where i was like all right i'm doing this podcast just to put it out and that's cool but if i just wanted to kind of make it something a little bit i need to at least make it feel a little bit like a job Mm-hmm. So I, I can't show up to work with like a hard buzz going, but it, but it, but if the vibe calls People for do. it, then yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, but but if the vibe calls for it and someone's hanging out and it's a and it's a different setting like that, I'm always down. How are you doing? Uh, how are you getting through the pandemic? It, it was it was a little rocky just finding waves, you know, especially with stand up with being able to do that like three or four nights a week going to mics and then every weekend having shows and just being able to grow. And then having all that taken away, it's just really hard to, like, find outlets. Like, at first, you're just like, all right, I can handle it. You know, it, it's whatever. And then you realize, like, you're going down to grab, like, some mail and you're making jokes to your neighbor. And it's like, reel it in, Jeff. Like, <laughs> you, need, you need to do something. Reel like, yeah, you, you need to find uh, something else. So it, so at first it was hard, but I was really happy that we <laughs> had so our, 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 our uh, podcast, The Babyface Assassin. Yeah. So I, I tried to lean a little bit more into that. But like we were talking off mic, 
the it was a hard transition for the shows whenever you wanted to have guests on during COVID. And so we had to go to a lot of Zoom shows where it's online. Yeah, I won't do it. And it's just not the same vibe. Some of them work good. Like I, <clears throat> I, I have some friends that are in like New Jersey and in Florida. So I was like, yeah. oh, well, this is a good excuse to have them on right. and, and try to work it out. But you just never ends up the way you want it to, and, and it kind of just sucks. Do you hear that, people? Yeah. For those of you who have been you know, emailing me, you can mm. do sh- Zoom shows, and it isn't that I hate it. Yeah. It's just it doesn't fit. The vibe of this show is about you sitting there, mm-hmm. I guess sitting across the table, socially distant compliant, <laughs> I might yeah. add. But that's the only thing that I really want. So for this, I'm not saying that there's not – tremendous zoom shows that are funny as hell yeah. i get it it just doesn't work for me definitely and, and he's here telling you it's not easy yeah it, it's not the best and i mean the main thing reason why we wanted to do it is that we've been going over a little bit over a year now and we just hit the one year mark as soon as COVID happened so for us to kind of just like bow out and not put out something i just wanted to keep that consistency because that's the one thing that like from starting stand-up or the podcast like consistency has only been the thing that's either give me opportunities or like save my ass in a lot of things you know you uh, are doing similar to what we're doing too. It's open genre yeah. of, of contents. You've, we've talked about various guests. Um, we're because this is the first time we've actually met. Yeah, it's the first time. So <laughs> we, we came to kind of the same idea in terms of guest uh, dynamics. Mm-hmm. Where did you get the idea that you wanted to do an open genre show? Well, um, my one of my best friends from high school, Ty Danzuzo, his dad owns a bar in Pittsburgh called the Mount Troy Inn. Mm-hmm. And uh, familiar with it. And oh, are you? Well, mm-hmm. that, that's awesome. So we uh, wanted. We always talked about in high school when his dad um, uh, took over that I wanted to do stand up. He wanted to do music. It'd be awesome to do shows. And uh, I went to Florida for film school. And about five years later, when I came back, we had the opportunity where I started doing mics. I was meeting a couple comics. He was doing shows around. Well, he was like releasing music and just starting to dip his foot into the scene. So he knew people to invite. And out of nowhere, we just started doing these all art shows to where it would be like three comedians at the top of the show, two musicians to close out the show. And we had an artist live painting the whole entire time. Oh, right on. So at the end of the show, we get to donate the live art. And it was just such a cool time because at the end of it, I got to meet a little bit of every artist. And those conversations, either in the green room or upstairs after, were just so deep and awesome. And then we wake up and no one would talk about it. And my girlfriend, Danielle, we've been dating for about eight years. And we like she likes a bunch of different podcasts more on the medical side. So we both were talking like, how cool would it be to kind of be able to reel these conversations out of people and kind of find what makes them want to go so hard after this dream? Because, yeah, you can be consistent and all that. But what's their thing that makes them tick? Yeah. So that's yep. that's how we wanted to do it. And then it kind of naturally happened or one episode was a comedian. The next one was a doctor. The next one was just uh, an actual artist. So You didn't set out that way. Though. No. You, initially, you were going to key on a certain demographic or a certain genre of activity, right? Yeah, because I knew I was a stand-up comic. And I was like, well, I know we can make this funny. So And I know a lot of comedians. But I saw in Pittsburgh, which no shade. I mean, it happens. You know your demographic. But there's a lot of comedians who just interview other comics right and after a while if you're not really trying to like if you don't have questions set up or if you don't go in with an intent of trying to figure out about them then it's going to get pretty mundane pretty quick for your Mm -hmm. listeners like they're going to hear the same jokes or what you have to say about it but starting out like one of our first questions is like where are you born and raised what was your creative outlet when you were younger like were you able to go out and do it or were you stuck by yourself and by that question to the last question we've talked about like when you're four to when you were growing up right. to where you are now and you see these people just get this confidence by the end of the podcast where it's like well I never do look back at the journey it's you a know? thing of beauty isn't it it really you is to see you know? them to see them enjoy it yeah you know telling their story mm-hmm. 
the, especially the ones that are timid in the beginning that actually might not really, or they're telling you, yeah. they might not really want to tell their story, <laughs> but they end up doing it mm-hmm. and they enjoy it. And it's kind of cool to let you know that's like, oh, I was able to kind of get that out of that person, you know? And, and that was one of the main things where my girlfriend, Danielle, uh, Danielle Burnick, she, she's a producer of the podcast. And she's one thing where I like to say is it's very important if you're going to go in uh, uh, into a business with someone or if you're going to create something with someone, you both need to know at the end of the day, like this person next to me, I'm so tunnel vision. I need them to be able to like strain all of my creative mm-hmm. like process. Mm-hmm. So whenever like I record the podcast, I'll be editing it. I'll be doing all this. And I just need someone that knows my vision and knows what I want to put out there, being able to tap you on the head and be like, hey, this isn't right. We need to take this step and we need to do this. And with her doing that, she was kind of able to pull out the more nitty gritty and cut the fat of like less just bullshit, I guess. Well, you are doing something that has two different skill sets. If you're a comedian, I mean, you do engage your audience. You do ask questions theoretically, I guess, but part of the routine. Yeah. But being an interviewer is the almost exact opposite, yeah. right? I mean, uh-huh. the, the idea is you want the guest to tell their story. You just want to say the right things. You want to trigger them in a positive way. Yeah. Right, but that's <laughs> yeah. different than comedy, than comedy mm-hmm. right? Yeah, because comedy, it's one of those things where everyone's like, "Well, I, I really don't go out to parties that much, and people like expect you to be like this." But I, I think it's Mark Norman who said, where he's like, "Well, no, like I go up on stage, you have to shut up, and I have these seven minutes to say exactly what I want to talk about, and if you respond, you're an asshole." So it's like, no, well, I'm not really a party <laughs> guy. Like this is ideal for me. Like I don't really like talking to people, and exactly with the podcast where it's so when you first meet someone. That little tennis back and forth, when they just like spike it on you, you're like, okay, this is a, I don't know. I, I, the gloves are off. Yeah, now. like we, we, we got to figure it out. And, and I'm like, I'm here to help you, but you have to kind of figure out that transition. Yeah. And becoming yeah. a uh, becoming a server, like I, I work at the original Pancake House, and before I got that serving job, whenever it came to talking to people, I had social anxiety, and people were like, no, no, you don't. And it's like, well, no, I did. You just couldn't tell to where if I had a conversation with you, and I was like, all right, have a good night, blah, blah, and I like like just muttered a little bit right, right, the whole right. way home for the next five days a big like, what are you a fucking idiot like this person thinks you're dumb and i'll mm-hmm. overthink every th- yeah. situation and with finding a serving job i'm like all right jeff you have to every table to make money you have to talk to people and you have to feel their energy and feel their vibe and once i did that job it kind of opened up a thing to where I, I would go to an open mic and i'd be nervous to talk to the guy at the signing sheet dude i got to talk to this old guy that's ready to belittle me at this job what the fuck's your sign-up sheet going to do? You know, it's not going to be much. So uh, doing that really Training. helped the hosting. Yeah, it, it really kind of all came together. Well, it, it sounds to me like you recognize, though, if I'm hearing you right, mm-hmm. that you know this was an area of concern and you went out and solved the problem. Yeah, which when was hard. Gotta, but... Yeah, I mean, well, of course it is. <laughs> yeah. Of course it is. But So I'm going to guess the answer already, but I'm going to ask the question. Mm-hmm. Now that you've done the podcast for a while, is comedy still more fun to you? Mm-hmm. It's, it's so comedy still the primary s- source of entertainment. Yeah, a hundred percent. If anything, the podcast helps me on stage. Okay, being better with quiet moments where there's nothing. Because in the podcast, I kind of have to do that. So on stage, I'd want to fill something with a laugh every second. Mm-hmm. But in the podcast, I have to like ramble a point. And sometimes, like especially with COVID, a lot of like jokes that I've have written down, I'll try to make into points with people and ramble and like. Right bust it in so if anything it kind of makes me more excited to um, yeah i'm interviewing someone i'm getting some of this funny off but wait till you see me on stage and i can unleash all of the knowledge i got from them and then all of this and stand-up is just like you can't beat writing down something in your phone 
going to a mic that night and then it getting a laugh even if it's a couple people like right it, it, it's such a cool feeling yeah and that's and that's exactly what t-robe and um terry jones said too they they and gab vanessa they when they were here they they talked a while it was almost like a high yeah it's just a high but you're constantly working right mm-hmm. material was everywhere has covid brought material to you it, it's coming waves like okay i, I would say that because I didn't want to be the first guy to come out of here and just be like, COVID, huh? Like, uh-huh. I think you kind of, if you're coming well, out with- I'm a, waiting to hear that. Yeah, if, if you're coming out, it, you, need, you need to come out with some COVID heat. Uh-huh. Like, if it's going to be a COVID joke, it needs to be really good. Okay. So, if anything, it, it, I, now that, I guess with quarantine, this is my first official year of, like, living with my girlfriend in an apartment before we live with roommates. Okay. So, when you're, like, good living luck. with someone, living with someone, <laughs> when, and, and, and that's the thing, we really had to focus, like, on balance and, and just have a lot of real conversations of just, like- figuring stuff out but through that and when you're living with someone you come up with natural material which is actually pretty funny <laughs> you don't say yeah so 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 with that it ends up being really good and then she's also someone that helps strain it so like i'll run a joke past her and she'll be like was that a jab and it's like no but but, but it's funny like we both laughed but uh yeah so i guess like it comes in waves it's really weird how it comes because i really will try to like think of stuff but i won't look at this lamp and just pull a sign phone and be like how about lava lamps you know yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I just can't do that it, it, what's it, the more, deal yeah, with lava <laughs> lamps i watched a couple yeah. of those episodes in my life yeah time. which i love seinfeld don't get me wrong i yeah, love it but that's just yeah. not the way i think yeah I, I don't know jokes more just come in either like stretches where if i'm doing stand-up more often it will come but if i'm taking breaks mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. the premises will just like come in waves and then if i really find it funny i don't know it's weird i'll say a lot of just like funny goofy shit in the shower like growing up my dad would always do like this radio voice in the shower that would crack us up like i'd be walking past the shower and he'd just be doing like 102.5 like obviously that was his <laughs> way to DVD, get like this, oh yeah like he just liked to like <laughs> just say like this funny shit or just like get this funny stuff out so i think that like i don't know i just need to find ways to do that so that's what i do in the shower i'll like say premises and stuff like that and write it down but yeah, COVID's kind of put a little bit more of a halt to where I think it made me kind of go back on old jokes that I was tired of and made right. me re-like them, I guess. Huh. Huh, okay. So it almost sounds like you're saying you have a greater appreciation for prior humor. Yeah, old humor that I would do each <laughs> night and stuff like that. Oh, prior humor. Yeah, literally. Uh, yeah, but no, like jokes I would do each night and I was so tunnel vision, I only saw them in one perspective. Okay. And then now that it's been months and I pull out the joke notebook and I look at it and I was like, oh, why didn't I see it like this? And now I want to go back up and I want to do it. So it just kind of shows me that maybe not always searching for the joke is the best and just kind of hmm. letting it come in a little bit better. People are just fucking nuts over this thing. Mm. I mean, it, 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 you're going to go back to full audiences at some point here. Mm. You know, full houses, I guess, without the social distancing and all that. It'll get, things will eventually get back to normal. I believe it. Yeah, I could be wrong. Been wrong with other things, but it, I think it'll happen. When it does, for what you do, mm. stand-up comedy, are you going to? Do you think you're going to be able to see a difference? Or do you think it will get back to normal for what you do? I think everyone was talking about comedy having a pop because everyone says the comedy has the big pops. I know like in the 70s and like late 70s, early 80s, once like prior and all those guys started to die, like the comedy store had a big struggle and comedy just was kind of taken out. Right. I think this was a good comedy pop. Okay. Because we could have had this like comedy over expungence if this would have never happened because comedy was like forefront. It's really took a, a high run with podcasts and everything. 
But I think if anything, comics gonna be more grateful. Showbookers gonna be more grateful. The people that own the space gonna be more grateful. And same with the audience in, because if they're more willing to do a Zoom show where that to be quiet, maybe it teaches them to shut the fuck up when they come to our shows. <laughs> you know, maybe that's a maybe that's a learning experience. So it's a it's gonna be a new normal, but I think it's gonna be a new grateful. But it's probably gonna be like when you get pulled over by a cop, you drive ten and two, then after seven miles, you say fuck it. So maybe like after the first seven months, it might get a little rusty, but but I think it might go good. You know, I think. You're absolutely right, and I do believe that audiences are going to be a hell of a lot more uh, grateful. Mm. Musicians are going to feel it too, I think. We take live performances for granted, yeah. especially in Pittsburgh. I don't know what it is about this town, <laughs> and I know I've slagged on Pittsburgh a little bit because of this, and I'll hear about it, but... This is a tough town for live music, especially local live music. I can't speak to the comedy because I don't know, but mm. on the music front, you know, people... In Pittsburgh, for whatever reason, will order like a fourteen dollar cocktail at some fancy restaurant, but they won't pay a five dollar cover to see three bands haul their gear in there and play. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know what that's about. Mm-hmm. But I, I think overall, having the ability to congregate and be together with our friends and loves one, loved ones and have a few drinks, have a good time, listen to some comedy, listen to some music, having that taken away. People are really starting to understand now how bad they miss it, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. And kind of how they, like like you said, how they kind of took it for granted before because it's always going to be there. Especially with the outside music, that's one thing that ticks me off to where, like you said, for us to do that all-art show, it was great because I think it was in a bar to where people were there. So, like, the cover charge was, like, in the drinks. Like, we had a $5 drink special that went to the, like, right. to the comics and into right, right, and to right, everyone right. else. But the bar was there too, and like you said, that's gonna be a weird transition because the next couple of shows we were talking about moving up because we were like selling out and the space was just getting too big and it wasn't the artists weren't getting as much respect as they should have with a bigger space. Right. So we want to move, and now that you say that, that's one thing that my friend Tide and Zuz and I were talking about is just people seeing that money, but like that number go up, and you don't have the instant bar right there. It's hard, but I just don't know why you wouldn't. You know, people are paying mm-hmm. thirty bucks for a concert where you sit in the back. Right. And they don't even give two shits. Like it says 10 and they go on at midnight and they don't even care. And there's people pouring their hearts out trying to make sure it's a good event. So I, that's why I think mixing all three together was one of the best things we could have done is that we were able to get people that were just comedy fans, that were staying for the music after, that were becoming fans of them. Mm-hmm. And we always take an intermission in between. Art fans that were staying after. And you, it's so funny at the end when we would like donate off the art, we were expecting like some drunk guy to be like, oh, just like put a knee through like some <laughs> stuff. But everyone was so appreciative. Like everyone, every single time someone got like, this is going to my house, you know, and that's a moment to where they're at their house. And like, that was the all art Absolutely. show. Absolutely. You know, it was that's just something really art, cool. It's the beauty of art for sure. Mm. I mean, is is that something do you think that performers are going to need to do just to generate revenue is is blend services that way almost like a little festival style well (laughs) the reason i ask is you know it's a marketing thing marketing 101 you're always looking for new avenues new channels to to market your product but blending those three products together Mm -hmm. in one it has to be genuine you know like I, i think people can sniff out like the main reason why I work with us is because it really was who all three of us were. Mm-hmm. And since Ty loved music so much, he was going to make sure that the music was done right. And since Sarah Holby loved art so much, he was going to make sure the art was done right. And since I loved comedy so much, I was going to make sure that the setting was right for that. So if you're getting three people going in there looking for... Obviously, we, we wanted to make money and we wanted to do that well, but you just need to get three people that love it. And then we all have the same morals too. That's like a the, synergy. 
yeah, because that's the hardest part. Ty could have easily been like, well, I get a bigger cut than you and all that. But every night we'd split the money down the middle. We'd tell everyone how much we got, and every artist got split down the same. And so I think artists respect that too. To where mm-hmm. we're showing you, like, we're not trying to make that. And just going into work with people that have the same morals is the hardest part to find. Like, yeah, Ty could like support whoever he wanted and do whatever he wanted, but he has the same morals. And at the end of the day, find people with that at the end of the day where you can just talk to them like, what's your end goal? What do you believe in? Right. And then move into that. So I, I believe it can happen, but I think we're going to see some shitty pop-up versions of it. <laughs> but it, I, you'd be stupid not to because it really does work. Yeah, I think so too. And, and I, I, <clears throat> I'm sure it's working in multiple markets, mm-hmm. but I don't know what it is about this town where like I said, Pittsburghers are not cheap. I don't mm. find them cheap at all. No, not at all. But that whole concept of paying the artists, at least in the the method that they're used to, yeah. they're tight there. Oh, yeah. Music, art, comedy. I mean, they'll come. They'll get plastered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're not crazy about paying a cover charge. I don't know why that is. Why once it hits $10, people are like, it better be Motley Crue. And it's like, <laughs> it's 10 bucks, dude. Like, fuck what the Motley fuck? Yeah. yeah, like, Jesus Christ. It's like, it's $10. Like, your drink, like you said, they'll buy, like, a drink with a, with a what is it? The, Umbrella. The, the, yeah, with the, with the duck that comes into Pittsburgh for thirty six fifty. Right. But I asked for $10 to Good literally example. just help an artist tonight. But it's whatever you hear there. Whatever, fuck them. Yeah, right on. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. So uh, the quick and dirty on you, like, why comedy? How did it happen? Uh, growing up, it was just kind of always my safe space. You know, I, I love sports. I felt like I was good, but I was never, like, the tallest kid. I was never the fastest kid. But when it came to comedy, like, that's where I felt like it was my wheelhouse. Like, I, that's where I felt like I, I felt Jordan. Like, I knew I had threes. I knew I had pull-ups. Like, and just growing up, too, my whole entire family just loved pop culture whether it was like comedy mm-hmm. movies everything so mm-hmm. there wasn't a time where you go to my grandma's house and she'd say a line from dumb and dumber as she's opening up the fridge and you're a kid like i want to watch this movie and <laughs> what, what are you talking about you know so comedy was just always just such a safe place and i always want to try and like my friends always say like dude you could be a comedian so i think first it was like oh this is a cool thing it's a little bit of ego but then yeah once i saw that it gave me a work ethic like outside of it it gave me a business mind it gave me a thought process on life moving forward that i never had before right. on anything else that was given to me in a template to be before so it kind of which just became my love like it pulled me out of some dark places mm-hmm. it just it's just always been there and it always been the thing that kind of make me feel good and now that i see from with the podcast and stuff that for me helping myself i can help other people it's just it's a win-win the we will go back to the podcast cause you brought up a good point about mm. being able to help other people get their stories out yeah you know and hopefully other people are learning from that mm. we'll talk about that but you lived in orlando for a while right yeah mm-hmm. and that obviously you didn't live there long mm. so you decided you learned you didn't want to live in orlando yeah <laughs> but how, how did that help craft the whole uh, career in, in comedy so whenever i was in high school i was hanging out with my friends every single day doing all that and then once I moved there it was a, an apartment complex about 25 minutes away from my, where my school was so I was just kind of isolated it just yeah. felt like I was by myself what kind of school was that again? Uh, it was a film school Okay. and so and, and it was an awesome school I graduated it was, it was a fun time it, it gave me the tools to be able to pro- promote my podcast edit it do the audio video right. all that shit was awesome but um, is it more of an engineering? yeah okay yeah and so and so while I was there though I was just in such a down and out place because I just had no outlets I had no people to talk to and so I was just watching 
comedies a lot. Like, I was watching a lot of podcasts, and it was just pulling me out. Like, we were talking about Joe Rogan before, yeah. but a lot of his podcasts were there like three hours. Mm-hmm. And, dude, if you get a depressed Jeff in Orlando, he's there, buddy. Okay, like three hours. Like, catch me. If I see a three-hour podcast, who are those for? <laughs> you found them, all right? But, no, I, I loved it. And then once I would try to work out, I would be like, all right, well, I'm going to toss on this podcast because it's funny. And then once I started stand-up yeah. down there, that's really what opened up doors to where if I sucked – one of the guys sitting at the bar wasn't like one of my dad's friends growing up because like when you live in a local place it's harder to hang your hat somewhere when you when you're sucking so it was kind of a clean slate for me to be like all right i can give this stand-up comedy thing a real shot okay and if i suck well people think i'm here for film school they'll know i'm here for comedy and so that ended up really helping me out because there were just so many nights where you just get in the car after bombing and you're just crying and you're just like who the fuck are you do you what you really think that's funny like you had all day to come up with a five minute set and this is what happened it's just like you get put through the ringer but the fact that you still want to do it the next night and redeem yourself just shows why you love it so much so it was just those like three and a half to four years really was just such a mental like drain like i was i probably gained like 225 i was 225 pounds and I just wasn't doing anything to make myself feel better. And I was almost in just a, a pity place where I didn't even want to feel better. People mm-hmm. try to help me. I'm like, well, how would you know? You're not in Florida. You're not by yourself. And I just felt like the world was against me. And stand-up was pretty much the only thing that kind of pulled me out of that and gave me a little bit of control, you know? No question. No question. Uh, I, I've been told by many people that a dangerous place for a comedian to be is in deep depression. Yeah. Is that true? Definitely. It's Because uh, if, if you think that, oh, wow, they have such a funny brain, how they can break down and, like, overanalyze and all this shit, if you don't think that's working on the other end as well, just for all great people, like, and I'm not saying great, but, if like, if you're great at what you do, like a great scientist, if you don't think that he's able to, like, or a doctor is able to come up with the stuff, and he's not going home being able to use those skills on his own brain, <laughs> but in a negative route, like, right. that, that, that's how the brain works. So when you're depressed like that, it's, it, it's scary because you also don't want to talk to people like we're kind of we want we like to figure stuff out and we don't want to bother you and if we do want to come to you we, it's whenever we have good stuff coming you know and it's the same reoccurring story all the time when you hear you know stories about how the famous comedians are as people you hear a lot of the same thing like they're recluses they don't really want to they want to they don't want to be a life of the party they don't really want to be at the party period mm. And you just never would imagine that as a fan sitting there watching this person be yeah. on for like 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's just so <laughs> it's so backwards from what we think they're going to be like. Well, it's kind of the awesome yin-yang like about it too because if you're going to be like that shining light, you kind of have to. It's just one of those awesome things to where why would you go to the party? Like I'm the type of dude where I want to set myself up. Like when I go home and when you're doing out and when you're going to those shows, there's nothing better than having like your favorite food set up, your favorite music set up. And when you go home, it's almost like your own little hibernation den, you know? Cause if I need to be on, if I need to go out one thing to go to shows where I was like, I bombed that night. And it's like, well, what did you do do for yourself leading up to that show to put you in the space for that? And on days where I would make sure I got enough rest where I would go for a walk or run before my show where I'd take a shower and kind of like listen to a good podcast and be in a good mood, I killed. But nights where I'd wait till the last minute, get up last minute, just rush mm-hmm. out. People just don't realize how much like you doing for yourself. Like how, like I always say like you need to help out the future you. You know, like hooking up the future you is so nice. It might suck for you right now, but the you in tomorrow is going to fucking thank you. You're going to be like, yeah. dude, you're a badass for setting me up, you know. 
No question. And, and it goes back to preparation, too. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's not just material preparation. It's probably just the state that you find yourself <laughs> in, yeah. right? Yeah, uh-huh. definitely. And, and that's the thing where you ask people about their process, and they're like, some people's process before they go to the show, they have to like take a shit shower, they'll cook a steak, <laughs> they'll fucking hang upside down on a workout. Everyone has their process, you know? Right. Like, it's right. weird, but it's just... And, that, and that's why I love this podcast because you can kind of like dive in. Like growing up, I love the show The Green Room. Oh, yeah. Where like I just loved hearing those comics. I was like, oh, this is these are the conversations you get to hear behind the stage with these people. You know, right. they, 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 it gets to break the third wall. It's like Wizard of Oz when you get to see who's behind <laughs> it. You're like, oh shit. You know, it, it's kind of nuts. Well, what's what's great about this show for me selfishly is I get to see my reoccurring friend, Fred Koala, who just was on again. And Fred, yeah. Fred was a. He's a Pittsburgh native, guitar technician for 20 years, a, ro- a roadie, mm-hmm. worked on stages, big bands, small bands, all over the world. But it's the behind-the-scenes stories that, <laughs> that are really funny. And oftentimes, it's just when the artists would come off the stage and the things that would happen afterwards. And I, I don't mean all the debauchery, but just yeah. the, the real-life human stories there mm. are so real and so relatable because that's... We're all the same. Yeah. You know? But <laughs> hearing that kind of stuff has been like the juice for me just to be able to. And music was a wonderful outlet. Performing comedy, same same exact thing. It has to be. Mm. What happens in the green room, excuse me, what happens in the green room, what happens behind the stage, what happens on the way to the show, mm. and all of you comedians sharing that amongst yourselves just has to, it's just a tapestry of information there, oh, right? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> When just a tapestry, you think it was TMZ with the like shit talk and the hot goss. Like when you get into a room, it's just like oh shit, dude. Like and then when I leave, I'm like, well, if you don't think you were the volleyball of conversation in a couple other green rooms, like you got to think it works both ways. But you familiar with Craig Gas? Yeah, yeah, I had Craig on the show. Uh, Real quick, not to yeah, interrupt you, yeah, but yeah. my friend Danny Braff, he books shows in New Jersey, and he's been doing a lot of shows with like Florentine and those guys. And yeah. he's the one that got me my first show with Florentine, which he's out. awesome. But he just asked me to do a show in September, and he said we're actually in contact with Craig Gas. So for you to That'll say that, I, I, I was like, "What the? What are the odds <laughs> he just said that?" But okay, that's yeah. insanity. I, uh, I know Craig through Freddie, uh, Sir Fred, and uh, through the Kiss years of working mm-hmm. with them because he was a big Kiss fan, and and Gas would uh, he would do events, the Kiss events or fan events or things. And but it, you know, Craig's unbelievable. Yeah, but, yeah, he was on too, but just. Listening to him and listening to him about you know, the behind the scenes and when comedians <laughs> get together, it, he gave me the feeling that it's probably not best for someone who's not a comedian to be in those gatherings. <laughs> no. <laughs> when three or four comedians get together on their own, mm. outsiders aren't really welcome. <laughs> I, I, the best I said, because like I brought with my girlfriend, so she's been like to most open mics, she's been in a lot of green rooms, so she's used to it. But a lot of comics I say to like, we're throwing so much at the wall. To us, it's like monkeys throwing shit at a wall. So when someone walks into the room, you see people throwing shit and they're like, Jesus Christ, like <laughs> you got to come out. Cause we're just so used to prying off the wall stuff. Like right. I'll see comics on stage, they'll get off all pissed and like, they didn't understand the brilliance of mine jerking off on a banana joke. And I'm like, yeah, dude, cause this is probably the first time the guy in the front row heard jerking off with banana in fucking ever, you know, like yeah. you got to find a better way. Right. To, to wheel and deal that and right. I think that's funny because like most people aren't used to it because we're at such a wavelength where you got to throw it at the wall and we're showing you guys like the best like the best thing we have to offer but in the green room that's where you, you got to practice your jumpers and it's always funny to see like athletes or something whenever they're at practice just hit like seven bombs right. in a row and it's like well yeah right. that happens but then people will take it personal and it's like yeah. th- there's no way to figure out 
what you have to do. Like my biggest thing is that I never think you should censor someone's comedy, but if you're doing comedy in a place to hurt someone's feelings and like you, that type of shit, go fuck yourself. Cause comedy in a place has always made me feel good. So as long as it's in a place where you can tell with context and everything else that it was in a good place, they were joking around right. and, it, and it was on good hearted from both ends where both people can feel that that's fine. But that's as soon as you see that line, maliciousness, though. it is such a fine line. That's why context really is everything when, and in a world of, everything being said on podcasts and everything just being typed out it's so hard to like you said it's walking that tightrope and let's talk about that for a second yeah. so uh, we uh, we've had lots of uh, wonderful local uh, comedians here on the mm. show had Craig Gass on um, a national comedian and did just the pers- but the the opinions seem to be generally the same in that you know there really shouldn't be any rules on comedy mm. lord knows there wasn't rules on prior and 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 going back uh you know uh, Eddie Murphy's early days. I mean, it's kind of crazy. We want him to be clean and PC now, but how can he possibly be PC? It's just, it's just, well, just try, just it. try to watch Delirious. That was like, uh, it, 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 it holds up, but well, also doesn't. Well, Craig Gass <laughs> and Craig Gass said it on this show. He goes, and, and when Craig was here, it was ironic because it was about a year ago, mm. and at that time, I think Saturday Night Live was bringing Eddie Murphy back for a guest spot. They announced it. And the same week, they had a young comedian get hired and fired within like two days because of an off-color joke he had said on tape somewhere. Mm. It was an ethnic joke. I don't know if it was a black-white thing, if it was a uh, if it was a Oriental joke. I, I can't remember mm. Hispanic joke. I don't know. But he apologized and so forth. But Saturday night fired him. Uh, Lauren Michaels fired him. Mm. But at the same time, they're announcing they're bringing Eddie Murphy back with the, all this, you know, glorious accolades. When you see the Jimmy Fallon blackface that they had a sketch on there, where he did Chris Rock on there, so it's kind of hard to hang your flag. Where it's like, well, if that lies, then yeah. Well, it, mm. well, Craig Gass's point was was to me, which maybe it took me back for a second, but then I had to really sit and think about it. He, Craig's right. You know, Eddie Murphy had a. Uh, an album and the, he had a faggots part one and i think the next album was faggots part two mm-hmm. and and at that time that was not part of the vernacular you wouldn't say it on the street because you don't want to hurt anybody but that was part of an acceptable uh blue humor that mm-hmm. you would go and pay for and watch didn't make it right or wrong and we look back and now hopefully as a society we've moved forward we don't do things to hurt people anymore but he still said it and he said it 30 year plus years ago, mm. but you can't fire somebody, I don't think. My biggest now. thing, with you saying that changed my mind on something before, is that hearing that, where yeah, because that time, so whenever I see the timestamp of what was that album, did you say? It was in 82, the, maybe? 82, okay. 83, I, maybe? I, I see the 83 timestamp, and that kid's timestamp was 2020. Mm hmm. So that's a little bit of just like if you're going to be on camera, if you're going to have a podcast. Oh, it was a mistake. Yeah, well, yeah no, it, oh, no, 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 hardly. Oh, no, it, it was definitely a mistake. But that's the thing where that—that's where the timestamp gets you. Where like the growth there just wasn't there. Because don't get me wrong, like with podcasts, and that's where I see it. There's just so many different lines. But when you see the timestamp, it just kind of sucks, you know. But there's a lot of people that would make an argument. Oh that yeah, a which wrong I'm, is I'm a wrong, wrong. No I, matter I, what the which I don't, know. I don't die on any hill. Which with either right. of that, but right, right, but, but right, I, right. I, I definitely see the side you get where it's just like, how can you point the finger whenever your nose is just as big <laughs> for doing well, that? Eddie you know. Murphy has said many times in many interviews that he would he, he would never conduct comedy today the way he did then, but it was a different era. Acceptability mm-hmm. standards, you know what they were, what they were, and it's just isn't him. I mean, mm-hmm. it's 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 Red Fox. 
um, Lenny Bruce. I mean, you can go all the way back, right? I just find it a tad bit hypocritical that a young person's career might have gotten snuffed out because of a mistake mm-hmm. they made. In the context of what they said, it pales in comparison to the people we now call legends in mm-hmm. comedy. So there's a there's, to me, there's hypocr- I get the timestamp thing. Mm-hmm. You sh- he should have known better. Yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> but but let me ask you this: Should there really, should there really mm-hmm. be limits on comedy? Who sets so, so, what is so funny he, so, and what's not? So here's the thing with that. He was going to a corporate job, though. So you're when you're dealing with SNL, you're not dealing with old SNL. You're dealing with a corporation now, mm-hmm. and it's a real corporation. So he's not fired. He's still a touring comedian. We know who he is. Why would we say his name to hype him up? We don't need to, but we know who he is. So he's not fired. If anything, he got a big, loyal fan base of the fuck SNL haters that get that, and you're dealing with the company. The way I look at it is that mm-hmm. if I had old tweets and I was applying for a corporate job, and they mm-hmm. fired me for the tweets? Definitely. But if the America, if all the people stop me from touring and all that as well, well, that's a different conversation because now you're stopping their rights. But if you're applying for a corporate job, mm-hmm. they got sponsors that are bigger than this first-year like person. You, you just got to look at it bigger than that. So I, that's where I see the hypocritic, like the hypo, like the, the the hypocrisy in it. But I also see the 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 bigger picture in that of you need to see who who your target market is that in between the sketch they probably have a it fucking wasn't real smart on his, yeah it wasn't yeah. real smart on his behavior. he was going to a corporate environment mm-hmm. and without a doubt a corporation has a right to protect their brand you have to act accordingly with that and you have to know that you're letting down certain one of those values so when you see these wild comics go on SNL and you're like man they reeled him in you're like what the fuck do you expect you, you know what happened, but you're... It was always that way. Yeah, it, it, it's always been that way. Of so, course it is. So that's why you have to look at both ways, but then you also, you, you have to look at the chess move as well as when you have a corporation because it really is going out to kids. Like, it, like they, like, I think I watched uh, SNL I don't think thing, they care anymore, and they though. had like a Kellogg's commercial in the between. past twenty years. Oh no, they, they don't give a shit what kids see. They, they definitely don't. But Fuck them. When they it don't co- care. When it comes to P's and Q's, you know who do care? That kid's mom, Karen. And she fucking cares. And they're do they? Do I, I don't think they care enough. Yeah, I don't think they care enough. Hey, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You got to give me credit for that material. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I'll give you 50% for that. It's yeah. a it's a really, um, it's a great conversation, though. And mm-hmm. in, I don't think anyone intentionally hurts anybody. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just don't understand how they give... I mean, they want to canonize Eddie Murphy. And believe me, Eddie Murphy's one of the funniest people I've ever heard in my life going back through a good part of my life. Mm. He's part of the entertainment that I've ingested a good part of my <laughs> whole existence here. Yeah. But it it just seems that I don't know. I, I, I want to say we've grown as a people, and I want to say that we're better as a people. We're certainly more sensitive to other people, <laughs> too. I get it. Mm. But it, who is the arbiter of good taste? I think that person also chooses how much that affects them as well. You see a lot of people that... Have you been accosted after stage because you offended somebody? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? I felt bad, but then looking back on it, the way I was talking on stage probably could have did better, and it wasn't getting my original point across. So maybe kind of probably cut the fat. Like If it, if it affects someone that much, I'm not going to change it for them, but I need to look at the state they're in the person they are. <laughs> so this is where context also matters too, you mm-hmm. know. But I had a joke that I thought was edgy about suicide and then someone in the crowd was like, yo, my cousin just died. And it's like, all right, no, I, I understood that. But what it also made me do was write either a better joke or just realize like, oh shit, that joke was really just a, a quick, like when you're an early comic, just trying to be edgy and stuff yeah. like that. Race so, to the bottom. Yeah, race to the bottom. But also I've had a few jokes where someone says like, 
hey, like, what you're saying is, is pretty fucked up. Where I would talk about, like, growing up with not a lot of money, and so everyone's, like, into ass-eating, and I was like, well, you need to look at a tax bracket, because, like, if they didn't grow up in a household where they had their own bathroom connected to their bedroom, like, I grew up in a household where I shared a bathroom with my mom, dad, brother, and sister. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you were supposed to clean the asshole until probably three three years ago, okay? Mm-hmm. So whenever you need to, like, lick an asshole, you need to make sure... <laughs> That it's coming from it, that it, that it's coming from a good home, and so the lady got mad at me because I said that you have to te- that you have to check a tax bracket. Well, I said, well, a tax bracket is going to probably like you're using a loofah or the family serious? bar soap. And she got mad at me saying a tax bracket. So that I say, go fuck yourself because I yeah. like the joke. Right. But yeah. so I, I I see the lines, but I really have to weigh it because if it's affecting someone that you much, have to. you have to at least hear them out. But if you're constantly saying fuck you, you don't get it, you don't get it, that's when you become an edge lord. But but like, here but here's the other flip side of yeah. that to take the comedian's defense or come to the comedian's defense yeah they're not at a picnic no yeah they're you, not you shopping know, at walmart and that's if you come to a comedy club and, and then you, you walk out money, of money then and you're offended fuck you that that definite fuck you <laughs> that is crazy <laughs> and that, that t Rob has a couple great stories too mm. where he just he said eric you won't believe this shit like you know i'm trying to clean up after a show you know i'm going to go get ready to take off talking to the owner of the the joint and mm. getting accosted by people once in a while because I offended them somehow. I'm like, did you not know where you were going? <laughs> I know. I mean, that's had to happen to you. Yeah. And I don't know because <clears throat> we, we always want validation so you want to hear the person out but usually, well, the, sure. but usually the person that's offended just wants to be heard as well and they're just the person that never did stand up and they're fucking pissed off at you. So I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I guess most of the situation I've dealt with it was at bar shows, but the more I've done bigger and better shows, the more they have like a exit where the comics just leave. Like there's a, usually a back door. <laughs> so you can <laughs> escape. So, yeah, so I, usually, so I, I usually don't like deal with that. You're but, not walking through the audience. Yeah, but when you do an all-art show and you bring <coughs> the comic on and you have to walk through the crowd <clears throat> of people, so when your joke bombs and you're like, all right, this next comic, you have to walk through uh, everyone getting beers. There's been a couple you're of times. to mingle there afterwards, right? Yeah, definitely. And I, there's some <clears throat> times where after I like bring someone up, the first time I thought that there was like a special door and I went through the kitchen right. to the right of us and then the chef was like, get the fuck out of here. What are you doing? So I, like, I walked right back out just like through everyone. It's just <laughs> the most stooge thing ever. It's just like, that oh, man. Great, yeah. man. So you know, great. you know the place you host? Like, what's up? It's oh, like, my God. Yeah, that's fucking that's a... great. Let me ask you in regards to the new media. So yeah. obviously uh, you're so young that you don't remember the old media when there only was the old media, mm-hmm. meaning that this kind of stuff uh, being able to video and photograph from your telephone and you know doing web calls and all this stuff didn't exist you know 10 15 years ago mm. so um, or 20 years ago in 20 years prior when a comedian had material I guess they would you would test it out on family friends maybe at a gas family gathering and then mm. you'd take it up on stage and boom either goes it either goes over or it doesn't right yeah so now, you're on this show, you're on other podcasts and so forth. There's more opportunities for you to do your thing, but there's more opportunities at no income for you to do your thing. Yeah. So how more how do you manage releasing material? Because I had this conversation with Craig Gass because, I mean, it's if somebody comes to you, mm. And you're telling the material, you're sitting down having lunch with them or whatever, and then you're going to go say the same show that evening. Mm. Does it, is it the way it's delivered you change up? Is it like, how do you keep that material fresh? 
because you have to come up with more material now because mm. these podcasts weren't available. Yeah. Right? Is mm. that? you see where I'm going with that? Yeah, I, I guess one thing luckily is that I've never really used these mediums to test my jokes out. Like, I really never much, like, like you said, like, I'll test, like, little premises while I'm talking to people, but it's never in, like, a noticeable way where it at least fit the conversation. But I know a lot of comics, like Mark Norman, like, he'll tweet out a premise probably every day and just test it out. And that that's a little bit less. Like, my girlfriend, Danielle, I, I really test out most of my jokes on her. Or, like, I'll call my dad and I'll, I'll, I'll say some joke premises and stuff. And if, he'll, if I'll get, like, a chuckle out of him, I'll know it's, like, a pretty good, like, start of an idea. And yeah, and I'll just use the stage for that. But and that's been one thing because I don't, I really don't like to do it. There's been times where like I'll have a tweet, and it will be like the joke premise, and it will do pretty well. But then my friends will come out to the joke, and I, it will come out to my show, and I'll be like, "Am I a hack for saying that tweet?" Because they sell the tweet, and then my girlfriend Danielle's like, "Jeff, that tweet was a month ago. Like <laughs> they don't fucking remember." Yeah. And I say the joke, and it gets a pop, and then a part of me is just like. They fucking heard it. So, like, <laughs> the way you have to keep it fresh is just, like, one thing is just yeah. now that I've been writing it, I'll try to change, like, one <clears> or two <throat> words or just change, like, my tone of voice to where if I was angry at this punchline, just try to be a little bit more mellow. Because I know when I first started out, my material came more, like, angry. Like, I came off more just, like, that and, and less of just, like, trying to explain my point, okay. you know. So, yeah, I, I feel like that that's one lucky thing because I feel like when I put out jokes and stuff like that where I see a lot of people putting out clips all the time, and I don't know. I, I I feel weird about that. I still need to get better at like putting more of my stand up self out there. But I just feel like it's just so. I just want to kind of hone that stuff a lot more. Okay. Are you familiar with the feud between Joe Rogan and I think it's Carlos Mencia? Yeah. Is, mm-hmm. is that because I don't know a lot about Rogan the comedian. Mm-hmm. I've learned a lot about Rogan the podcaster because I've studied a lot of how the show is done. Mm-hmm. Everything from the way he's become a tremendous interviewer over time. You know. I think he is, but I don't understand what happened there. I guess Mencia was accused of stealing jokes Mm -hmm. and no one was taking that serious and Rogan confronted him one time on stage or Mm -hmm. or definitely in front of a mic and a video camera, right? Yeah. So what happened? So Carlos Mencia was, he had a show, so he was big at that time and he would have like writers, which was like Bobby Lee and Ari Shafir and he would take them on the road. And Ari Shafir said that like after like a couple shows, he would come back from being on tour and Carlos Mencia would be using jokes of his and he would call him out and he'd be like, basically tell him to fuck off. Like I'm giving you this opportunity, like right on the show. And same with Bobby Lee where Bobby Lee like admitted to him stealing his jokes. And it's like, well, why aren't you doing anything? It's one of those things where when someone's that big and famous, especially at that time, like, like he just had, he just had a lot of hype and it was during the time where Joe Rogan said too, where the comedy store was in that middle ground looking for someone and he was bringing a lot of tickets. So, no one wanted to say that because then he could ruin your spot of getting passed. He could ruin the stuff. So Joe just saw, heard all these people when he had all these like interviews of his like friend Brian Redman filming these comics being like calling him by his real name, Ned. He's like, so does Ned steal jokes? And they'd be like, oh, yeah. And he's like, why don't you say anything? And they're like, dude, come on. Like, come on, don't. So when he finally went on stage and <laughs> called him out, that video went viral. And after that, everyone kind of like came out and kind of felt the need to be like, oh, well, I guess I can say something now because – that Brian put together a video of everyone okay. kind of talking that shit. So what happened since then? Like, is that part of Rogan's story? Did that help him? Like, I, well, he got uh, banned from the comedy store. So he didn't go back to the comedy store for like years after that. Okay. And so it, it, it actually like hurt him a little bit cause he wasn't able to do that, but right, it right. helped him in the long run for like comedy integrity. Cause like you called out a joke thief and someone that was like using it even okay. for the worst way. Cause he was at top. 
But what happened to Mencia after that? So Mencia took a huge Peter down. Like everyone turned on him. Like a lot of people in the industry. Like when you get the hard H on you, like hack. Like it's and when you're a joke thief, it, it's it's bad. So it really affected his career. My friend opened for him in like Phoenix, I think two years ago. So he's still touring. Like he's still doing good, but. Everything fell after that, like Mencia show was dropped, like yeah, all that that's stuff. Where I remember so, him from. So I think it was a slow Peter. Probably took a year or two for that stuff to peter out, but it was kind of a sore taste in everyone's mouth once it kind of got validated that he was kind of a. Yeah, I just in the whole video. If anyone hasn't seen it, just out of curiosity, just, just look it up and watch it. Yeah, it it kind of like was slow to ev- like slow to to move, mm. and then Rogan. I, Rogan didn't look real sure of himself early on in the confrontation like yeah. he just wasn't really and then he didn't you could see the anger was, <laughs> was just going did, did, was that a landmark thing for you I mean did that did that was just a passing event you didn't think nothing of it I thought it because I, I was so much into YouTube growing up it was just like such a academy of like learning how to edit watching videos so I found out about that because I just love watching comedy video and that was just like a thing where it's like he calls out Carlos Mencia and I always hated like I there's three kids in my homeroom that always go like dur, 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 where they do that dumb Carlos Mencia voice I don't know if you remember <laughs> yeah, but Comedy remember Central that. would always be on and you would just always hear it I hated that shit so when I saw a video of him getting taken down I was like fuck yeah let's check this out and it was just a big thing to me as well where it's just like I never really thought about it, but I was like, oh, yeah, people do write their own jokes, and fuck you for stealing. Like, right. th- that's shitty. Like, it's hard right. to come up with a I'm premise, sure and once you hone it, and I know it's just words, but, dude, those are my thoughts I put together, and when someone's using it as their own, and especially at that high, at a, at, like, at, at almost as a platform, and as openers for people now mm-hmm. who are, like, young legends on their way up, it's just mm-hmm. like, go fuck yourself, dude. Uh, what's your thoughts on Chappelle? I love Chappelle. He's probably just, what like... About him? Just the free thinking, like when he's on stage, it feels like you just entered like the Chappelle ride where you just like get in and he takes you on cruises to where it could be like a fake story to where he's just like saying the most outlandish shit and then real shit to make you like really think, you know, like he's, he's the ultimate, like when you think back to a storyteller, I think that's why stand up so cool because it reminds you of like being around the campfire and telling those stories and feeling that vibe. He really brings that, that campfire vibe that. I really like there's only certain comics when I was growing up like my dad loved Carlin Bill Hicks mm-hmm. and like Eddie Murphy Richard Pryor and seeing these people and Dave Chappelle really just has that when he comes on stage I'm not in it for the bits he has something to say to where like mm-hmm. just hearing him talk seems some about old celebrity like how like Johnny Depp and all those guys were like when they were on interviews it's, it was on their terms like that's that's badass to me like everything yeah. being in your face and that's Chappelle man when when he wants to tour, he does it. When he wants uh-huh. you to hear him, you'll hear it. You know, and I, I think that's that's bad. Yeah, everything is in his time. Yeah, yeah, but he earned it though. Mm-hmm. Definitely, he earned it. And, he, and his story was, I think he hit, and then they gave him. He signed a contract in the early two thousands, I think, to have his own his yeah. own show. Yeah, it was going to go on to season three of the Chappelle Show because the he, first two he seasons, walked away and disappeared. And he go to, he he go travel abroad for a while. Yeah, he went he just, to Africa for a few months and then. And then came back and then kind of like quit stand up for a minute. Just took a lot of time to focus on yeah. himself and shit. Because I know there, there's a lot of like you know the conspiracy theories about mm-hmm. that. But you don't say. Yeah, but it was it was speaking it was speaking of you corporations. Have a podcast, son. You're, yeah. If you haven't found out about the word conspiracy, you will soon. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So you've heard all of it. But when you're dealing with corporations, like we were talking about SNL, yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably saw a lot of stuff like that that will change your vision. If you remember Chappelle Show. If we're talking about being in the green room, he kind of brought the green room to the TV. Got like, it. Got it. That was like one of the, that was groundbreaking shows where you watch that and you're just like, 
is this real? Like, there'd be times where I look at my family, like, are we really watching this shit? Like, it's just outlandish, but he just found a way to make it, like, the most, like, wild shit tasteful somehow. Yeah. You know? Like, I don't know. Yeah. It was heartbreaking for me, and one, one, one really small aside is I grew up, like, a big, like, early Prince and big Rick James fan. Mm-hmm. Love Rick James. Yeah. And then to see Rick get into all that trouble and just make some bad life choices. Yeah. And then get, like, murdered. <laughs> By Chappelle and I guess mm. his brother, right? Yeah. Not, his, not his brother. No, Charlie Murphy's. Yeah. Charlie Murphy. Eddie oh, yeah, Murphy's Eddie brother. Murphy's brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, it was, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. It's comedy, right? Mm-hmm. It's a reflection of life. Okay, let's turn to the talk here again on the podcast. Okay. So, it, obviously, there, you will maintain an element of comedy in the podcast, yeah. but that's a whole different thing for you, right? Mm-hmm. I'd say so. I'd, I'd say, like, the most comedy I bring into it is either the comedians that come on, but... One thing that I like wanted to talk about with my girlfriend Danielle was that like I never like to map out stuff, but like my first two projects that I want to put out with stand up is like the the first thing is I just want to put out a half hour called the Babyface Assassin, and I love joke writing. I love like David Tell. I mm-hmm. just love people that just like bang bang boom, and I have a lot of that. That's a lot of my style, and I just want that to be my first like. The, my first thing to the people that come out that shows you I'm a joke writer. It can just show the people like I'm I'm in it. I love what I do. But then the second one. I just wanted to be called high anxiety and I've just always high anxiety. I just always had this envision in my brain of like I have all the, like my girlfriend does uh personal training and she focuses on a lot of self-help and she's just a badass with being able to like figure out what's like wrong with your brain and being able to like notice it but push it to the side and, and rest it to bed and I'm always the person giving that shit attention you know okay and she just uh a lot of games she gives me, I end up implementing into the podcast and implementing that stuff. And I've been able to do that with jokes to where I've just been trying to find ways now to where I want to talk about mental health, but in a funny ass way to where where you can learn. And me and her have been sculpting out a lot of jokes to mix it with that. And those are the two I want to do. And the podcast is giving me so much game for that. And my jokes that I'm working on with the Babyface assassin right now is like going perfectly with the podcast. So that's the two route that I want to do. So they are separate, but in the bigger picture, I think they're, they're kind of the same. Okay. Know? Yeah, I, I, I definitely can see that. I, I still am amazed that as a stand-up performer, mm-hmm. and you have to continually come up with material, mm-hmm. and now there's all these different other outlets where you're expected to be somewhat on. Yeah. It's got to be harder, man. I mm-hmm. mean, because this stuff was not around. Mm-hmm. I mean, you missed you missed probably the easier days. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Probably where you didn't have to like constantly have something out or people expected of you, but... I think the easiest thing is that once you find that foundation of what you like to do with like the podcast being every Monday, we'll usually do like one or two interviews throughout the week and we have a set schedule of all this stuff. So just finding a way to set yourself up. So while you're doing it, you can still have fun because it, it really is a lot. And don't get me wrong. There's days where I am super stressed out of like, should I have to promote this? I have to do that. But really it's just been that whole yin yang of like having her where she just really helps me reel it in to be like, well, you know, like before we do the podcast, I'll be stressed. She's like, you know, like, you chose to do this. Like, you get to do this. You're lucky to be talking to someone, right? And that will instantly snap me back. Oh, shit, I am lucky to have a conversation. Just yeah. little shit like that yeah. really... Recenter, recenters you almost to mm-hmm. a degree, right? Definitely. Recenters the focus. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that's... I believe... I don't know how you feel about this. Please tell me if you disagree. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. But I, I believe that a lot of folks that are doing podcasts are doing them... For for the right reasons, they feel compelled to do it. If you feel like you need to do that, mm-hmm. which is really, I think, more about the connectivity of finding out more about other people. If you feel you should do it, regardless of how people talk about the space is so crowded. I mean, your generation is big on that word, 
space. Yeah. The space we're in. But yes, it's crowded and I like to say it's clouded too. Mm. But I think people doing it's healthy. And some of them do one show, five shows, ten shows and they're gone. That's mm. fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't think that's a bad thing. But would you not agree there seems to be a I don't know an energy there where people just want to do it or want to be on shows because they want to connect. It's it's beyond becoming famous or being an influencer. Mm. It's a small percentage of people that really actually delude themselves into <laughs> believing that's going to happen yeah. to them. Would you not agree? Mm. But but I think there's a it's positivity coming on. I don't care if people again say that there's too many podcasts. Mm. I guess if you want to say that, but I think people are compelled to want to put the headphones on, talking to a mic, and get it out. Yeah. Mm. What do you What do you think? No, I I completely agree with you, and I think a correlation that kept ringing in my head is just that the people that do comedy to get it to almost like get their own show, or they do it for that. You can kind of tell in their set, but then there's the people that do comedy for comedy, and it's just different levels where it's just like, yeah, you like your steak well done, I like it medium rare. You know, like there there's 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 better ways to do it, and I just think that that's exactly with with podcasts. Where yeah, you have those four or five shows, and that was good that you use that as an outlet, but figuring out yeah we can't put on these microphones and talk but having just your general outline of how you want it to go like figuring out because every time i watch interviews like howard stern was a huge one where i just love his ability to be able to like pull anything out of someone like his ability to where it would almost just be like my, my girlfriend and i were watching an interview where brad garrett was on recently with him and just they were just having like a mental battle with just like being just like fucking with each other and pulling these notes but just he has this comforting ability where you sit down and he's just like, so where were you last week? Just, just little stuff like that where he incorporates himself. So it's that conversation, but it's on Howard's boat. So you're both going on my boat out out into the ocean. That is the podcast, you know. So if you are gonna have one with that conversation, just figure out what the fuck your boat is. So like, what do I want to learn at you? That's just what I want to learn, right. you know. Right. Well, that, that's just interviewing skills. Uh -huh. And Howard is love him or hate him, and I'm kind of in the middle. Yeah. In terms of like him, his his stick. But you cannot deny his ability to to get in there and be a great interviewer. Oh yeah, you know? and it's it's and, and I think Rogan is really something else. I, mm. I I don't listen. I don't have time to listen or watch all the shows. I mm. pick and choose guests that interest me. I think that's what we all do, right? Yeah. But if you really make the guest uh, just just non consequential to listening and just listen to him mm. and the line of questioning and how he listens. It's something to behold because he has come so far from those early shows. Go back and listen <laughs> yeah. to the first 20 shows there. And the content was different and delivery was different. But you saw him evolve, and he really mm. is something to behold. I mean, he is a top-notch interviewer, and I think it's just through repetition. Yeah. You know, I look back at our first couple of shows, and that was last 18 months ago. <laughs> and I cringe, you know, and I'm probably going to cringe when I listen to this one, you know, 18 months from now. But mm. – I think podcasting is like anything else, like comedy, whatever. Mm -hmm. you, you do get better as you do more repetition, the more you do it. Definitely. You just have to put yourself in that box. And it's just, it, it sucks because, like, you look at comedy and it took so long for you to get comfortable. And it's like, well, shit, I have to, like, fall on my face at another thing and, like, <laughs> figure it out. But once you get comfortable with, like, being uncomfortable, then you can figure out, like, all right, I know it's going to suck for this pocket, but the stuff I learned from doing comedy i can move into this so it won't be as bad you know mm -hmm. I, I it's like that domino effect once you start one thing it, it really becomes way easier like the yeah. resources you meet from the other stuff it, it's it, it's it's awesome especially seeing like a place like this too where daniel and i we do it out of our uh, out of our place in our apartment 
and we love doing it out of there because we really like set the tone in our place we have the conversation we have on the podcast are what daniel and i have on that couch so it's mm-hmm. so cool and we think that has a lot to do with the energy that no comes question. out in no that and, and there's been talks about moving to studios and stuff like that and what I get from this interview is that I see so much of you in this studio and how we were talking off camera Thank you. to where it doesn't feel like a studio. It doesn't feel like to where if I need to be more like, don't get me wrong, everything we is, don't is know so what nice the fuck in it. it. Is. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's like you said, studio. mid-man cave or stuff, but <laughs> it really just makes me want to, if you, you can get the best of both. Yeah, yeah, you know? that, that's, a, that's a great point. Thank, that's a hell of a compliment. Thank you. Because mm, sure. in the beginning, it was really... We didn't know what to do. <laughs> I mean, I knew I wanted to do something. We talked mm-hmm. about passion, and you know, when you feel compelled to do something, you move toward it, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's my only advice to anyone who's looking to do podcasting: is if you're going to stand outside and do it in busy traffic, God mm-hmm. bless you. I'm, I'm I'm for that. If that's yeah. your thing, then fucking do it. <laughs> yeah. But but don't be afraid if you have an idea to reach out and grab it because mm-hmm. that's just all this n- craziness just came out of my cranium. Which is kind of scary. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, awesome. But but you're, but again, the way you do it and it's consistent. Mm. And you have a consistent. You no, know, not that you couldn't change it, but you have a consistent optic there. There's mm. nothing wrong with that. That's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, well, th- that's the one thing that just holding yourself accountable with that consistency, and I think that's the main thing people respect. Where we have a lot of people where I know friends of mine that they don't listen to the podcast, but every single time a post comes out, they'll share it and stuff like that because they know, hey. He's doing it every Monday. Like, he thinks... I think anyone can respect that, at least. Because, like you said, those five and duns. I say, whenever you're following your dreams, you have, like, two or three, hey, check this out mm-hmm. with the people around you before they're, like, I'm, I'm not going to check your shit out. Like, I, like I, gave you, I gave you two or three chances. So that's why, I, like, when it ever came to starting a podcast and putting yourself out there with stand-up, we just want to make sure we did it right because, like, yeah. how many times can you ask your friend to listen to your second podcast with a new name? No, <laughs> is it really going to be better? Right. You know, well, so. and, and the thing is, too, the medium is still so new. Mm. Well, podcasts have been around 18 years. Have they? Not really. <laughs> it, it, but the medium, and, and again, I guess I my one of my final questions will be for you. You're in new media. This mm. is we're not regulated, so for a comedian, it's great, right? Yeah. It's you awesome. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so do you think regulation is coming our direction? Do think, you think we're going to face that at some point in time? And, again, I, I, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but mm. do you think that there will be ways down the line for comedians uh, to find ways to monetize appearances on podcasts because it's going to start blurring the lines between stand-up income Mm. and they're entertaining there and then entertaining for the masses on this stuff especially the video stuff mm. yeah especially with that too like the main thing about the podcast just to before i answer that to get on one thing you said is that it's such a new media medium in the sense of like it, it kind of getting the light it deserves and once it gets the light it deserves it still takes a couple years for more people to just get on it you know and it also it also takes you back to like people listening to like those little radios and my dad said growing up they would have like those little radios that you turn it on and a guy would just be telling a story while and people your dad is right oh yeah like (laughs) people love listening to that stuff you know Uh, like just hearing a voice it's it's comforting and conversation like this is the most like breaking it down the oldest art form and it will always be loved and there will always be a way and the monetization aspect of it it's actually really cool i use this uh app called uh buzzsprout where mm-hmm. i upload so it uploads to like spotify all right, that stuff right and they just had a new like monetization option to where it, it gives you probably a list of like 60 companies one was like a paper company all this stuff right they give you a list of dates and how much you want to charge for you to do like a pre-roll for you to have them on the podcast 
And there was a bunch of them where we charged like 20 or 30 bucks just to do a quick pre-roll. And that's easy money right there. Yeah. And that's like them giving you an opportunity. And what I learned from that is, yeah, I, I will use that once or twice to give me the confidence to know that we can charge people. Mm-hmm. But after that, I'm going to use a resume locally to start charging people because they're obviously getting a cut out of it and stuff like that. And I think that's where people with the censorship and the regulation, if you become your own podcast like this, this is your own hub. This is your own source to do all of that. And what's stopping you from creating your own website where you stream from that and your episodes right. go out from that. So there's so many lanes and pockets, man, to where just keep your eyes open and start it. You know, like you don't want to be the last guy to, to jump on it because there's a lot of moves that are going to be made and stuff. And th- there's so much opportunity where I think even with shows being canceled, you see this coming up and there might be more people that might stop going to their famous comic shows but might start supporting more of their Patreons or more of their, Absolutely. More of their stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, the environment's right changing constantly. Mm-hmm. And, so, and, and, and I have it a lot easier than you because you're a comedian, you're also young, and you're, you're evolving and you're finding ways to blend this career in this new medium. This show is, we have no sponsor. I'm not looking for sponsors. Mm-hmm. I'm, just, I'm just not. And, and I like the autonomy of not having anyone telling me what yeah. I can and cannot do. So for the time being we're just you know so i don't have that pressure to do this is this is a side project for me so but i think where we do share a lot is the passion Mm. because i see it in you and that's the reason why you're sitting here is i can see it in the podcast i can see it in your material i can see it in your social media you have the passion to do this and i can assure you the ones that last the ones that do you know hopefully we're talking five seven years from now we both have five or seven hundred shows under our belt (laughs) yeah those shows are the ones that are being orchestrated by those folks that have passion. Definitely. Where you see that it's more than just the numbers, you know, like that's the main thing where whenever we were figuring out what to do, I was changing certain stuff for people. And Daniel's like, well, if you're changing for these people, then at the end of the day, like what happens when they leave and and they're not about it? Well, then you change all of your morals for people that aren't even going to stick with you. Exactly. And as soon as we started making stuff just for us that we would laugh the hardest at, that we would like the most, that's when we, our numbers started going up and genuine people messaging us about the stuff that we like instead of people criticizing on the stuff mm-hmm. they don't like. Like, you're not the person who makes it. I want to invite my friends. You know, it's one of those, you might get FOMO not getting invited to the party, but guess it's what? Great. You're hanging out in the basement right. with your friends. You know, it's fucking. And you can do it on your own terms. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the show will evolve in the way, in your own image. Yeah. It will. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you let it, if you, if you really let it evolve, where and your girlfriend is exactly exactly right. You need to simply just let it evolve and make it a part of who you are, and mm-hmm. just spread that passion you have for it. Because I had no idea what was happening here, and we may quit next week. <laughs> I have no idea. Can't predict the future. Mm. But what it looks like today, um, sixteen, eight, seventeen months from when we started. It kind of looks the same in here, maybe somewhat. Table's a little different, but it looks completely different in my brain. <laughs> and how it's going to look a year and a half from now, I have no idea. Mm. But I will tell you that the joy of talking with people and learning about stories and laughing and having a good time—I mm. can't. I mean, <laughs> you, it, it's hard to explain to someone who doesn't do it. Yeah. Would you not agree? No. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where even if before I did it, you would have told me I'd be like. What you mean, going out to a bar and talking to someone? It's like no, it's it's a lot different than that. You know, it's one of those things where there's no outside distractions. When you put these cans on, it's like 
it's just you and the person. It's almost like meditation. Like like meditation doesn't have to be you laying in bed or you doing that shit. It's just focusing on one fucking thing right. and just being in it. And you do a good job with that, man. Like oh, I, well, I felt you, super comfortable, especially good. when it comes to first just meeting people. Yeah. It's weird when you can just get that calming vibe to kind of like cool. you're hanging around one of the people you met before. So. That, 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 that means a lot. And coming from you, that means a lot too. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish you the very best. I want to ask you right here on the show. I would mm-hmm. love to have you come back. Oh, a thousand percent. That'd yeah, be awesome. I got. And, and I will tell you too, and I've told the listening audience um, what I'd like to do with this show going into our, our moving through our second year and into our third year is every you know once a month, twice a month, take some of our prior guests that have a specialized uh, skill set. UFOlogist, I have a, uh, a nuclear physicist. <laughs> I mean, people that have interesting topics where other guests enjoy them and kind of put a four person panel discussion together. Yeah, that'd you know? be awesome. So we're in the process of doing that. COVID kind of set us back a little bit in terms mm. of launching that, but we're going to start doing it starting next month, too. So if you're into that, too, we'll talk off camera, but I'd love to have you back. That would be great, especially for this room, too. It would just be perfect for a conversation. Yeah, I think it works good, too. We're still figuring out all the video stuff and making sure that everybody gets the appropriate amount of camera angles because yeah, some right. people are sensitive <laughs> about that shit. But we'll figure it out. But, again, uh, I can't thank you enough for being here. Well, no, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, real quick, if you don't mind. If yeah, I, if I how are they going to reach things. you? Yeah, so uh, real quick. So follow the podcast. I don't know which camera you're on, but here's some so, stickers well, as baby well. Babyface Assassin. So who yeah. came up with that name? Who labeled you that, or did you come up with that? So that was whenever growing up, like I said, hanging out with like the older kids. Okay. Um, I would always like you'd either get clowned or you'd have to come back. And my like comebacks would just be so like Jesus, like <laughs> this kid's a little baby face assassin. Like he's shooting for the hip. Like they'll be like, I walk into a room and they'll be like, "What's up, short stuff?" And I've been like holding in like seven months of them calling me short stuff. So like I'm coming with like a, with like a seven month comeback, and they're like, "We're just starting here." So it, the baby face assassin. Yeah, so it's always kind of been like that, and then especially with starting stand up and being a young yeah. face, I kind of feel yeah. like I'm in the dugout and I have to fucking prove something. You know, like I come out, it's like, yeah, I might be young, but like. I've been around the right people. blessed enough to be yeah. around the right people. to. But the name of the podcast is The Babyface Assassin. Yeah, it's The Babyface Assassin Podcast. Um, at mm-hmm. Babyface Assassin Podcast on all social medias. Just started a Twitter because, hey, you got to be on that guy. So at Pod Ooh, Assassin, I do guess. Do I have to? <laughs> yeah, so we don't really tweet. We just do links uh, to all the episodes and videos that we post. Um, at Jeff underscore Fieldhouse. I should be actually doing a show in New Jersey on September 17th, so check that out. Um Oh, what else did I want to say? Follow. Oh, yeah, follow at Ty Danzuzo. This is his shirt. Um, the intro music to my podcast is my friend that we do the All Art Show with. Yeah. Um, he's a badass, man. He's one yeah. of those kids that he just makes real music. He knows how to do every instrument, and now he's starting to help people produce their albums in right Pittsburgh. On. So at Ty Danzuzo, I'm at Daniel Burnick. She produced the podcast. Call your mom. Kiss your dad. I love you. <laughs> you know Zach Rudder? Yeah. You know, Zach, because Zach's been on the show, too, as well. I've never met him. I've heard good things. I've been yeah. trying to cross paths with him. an artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe we'll connect you guys, too, as well. That'd be awesome. Well, I thank appreciate you very it. much, dude. It was awesome You got it, man. You. you come back, right? Oh, please. That'd be awesome. All right. Friends, we are out.